now we moved in during quarantine and I'm not going to buy an Amazon couch. You don't want Corona couches. No. No, I wouldn't mind a Corona couch. I don't want an Amazon couch. You don't know what it looks like or how it... A couch is something you got to sit on. Right. Plus, like, sometimes the the pictures are deceiving. Did I tell you about how we got a, a mini rocking chair once when Zeke was born? I'm not joking. So um, we, Zeke's going to be born, and uh, this is our firstborn child. And, and Lisa's like, you know, I want one of those old rocking chairs. Um, I, I think that that just be a nice that'd be a nice traditional touch. And I'm like, got you. And so I go on Amazon, and I'm like, hey, this one is one third the price of all the other ones. Buy it now. <laughs> and it comes, and it's it's the size of a doll. Um, it's it's like maybe a foot and a half two feet tall and and i, I look at it and i'm like because it's in the box and so i have to assemble it. i'm like this is a really small box i don't think this is gonna work <laughs> but maybe they just they're they're really efficient at packing it so i open it and i start taking it apart and i'm looking at the pieces and i'm like no i don't think this is gonna i don't think this is gonna work so i had to send it back and like in the you have to select the the reason that you want to return it and um if they don't deem it sufficient you have to pay the return shipping and so i had to find other uh because i'm an idiot and didn't read the description wasn't actually <laughs> it wasn't an option i like how you opened it up i was holding out hope you still had hope that it was a real <laughs> it was still a real rocking chair <laughs> You could hold just, the box in one hand. I thought maybe they just, it was going to be a lot of assembly, but. <laughs> oh, that's, that, you were brilliant. Yeah, good thing that's changed. So you said uh, you thought you were getting a good deal. What, one third the price? Yeah. Now. It was like 30 bucks or something. So you got scammed for a $30 because that is not a good price for a doll rocking chair either. <laughs> so you got scammed twice. Uh, uh, we uh, I was talking about fish, not the band. And then you That's said, remember right. that talking it fish? came up all. Yeah. And then I said, don't there. worry, That's be happy. True. And then it was Bobby McFerrin. The Holy Spirit is, is a good he works, God. He works through means. He does. I like that I like fish. like that fish. <laughs> the singing bass. All right. You think, uh, you think one of the two fish that Jesus had when he fed the 5,000? Sang? I'd like to think like so. turned? Yeah. <laughs> Just open his mouth in a you know, animatronic sort of way. Yeah. Or maybe the fish that Peter caught that had the money in there. Mm -hmm. Don't don't worry, Peter. Here's, here's two silver. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, Peter. We got to start all over. Why? I didn't record anything. You are the worst. <laughs> Hello, Internet! I pressed the record button this time. Yay! So we, <laughs> so we had uh, we had something go for about five minutes. It was, uh, mediocre. It was, it was mediocre at best. It was mediocre. You didn't miss much, just uh, like what you're about to I, hear. Oh. I made fun of the one-year lectionary. Uh, I cried um, a little. 
yeah. and uh, that I realized that I didn't press the record button. So here we go. We are the Uncultured Saints. Yeah, clearly. Uh, I'm Pastor Goodman. This is Pastor Eli Leedsow, uh from Wheat Ridge, Colorado. Uh, today we're going to talk about the parable of the prodigal son. Parable of the Prodigal Son. I would I would uh, go into the spiel that we just had, but that would be played. Yeah, um, it, it doesn't do, b- Bottom it. line is uh, Pastor Goodman is uh, hates sheep and, and lost That's coins. That's correct. Um. <laughs> we were supposed to do all three of them, and he said no. I, It's just, it, it, how, do you really want to listen to us for an hour and a half? Because I don't like listening to me for that long. I don't figure anybody else would. That's a true statement. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, no, we're going to do the parable of the uh, prodigal son. It's another really well-known parable uh, that only Luke has, oddly enough. Luke has uh, probably the the best or the most well-known parables um, out there. The ones that uh, even even unbelievers and unchurched people know. Uh, He's got the uh, prodigal son. He's got uh, the good Samaritan. What you looking for there, buddy? Nothing. I was taking my keys, oh, okay. putting them on a place where they, when I set them down, they didn't jingle. Wow. Very professional. But now you? that that's lost, <laughs> there you go. So I wonder, um, you mentioned that, uh, especially in Luke, some of these more popular parables are, are almost more well-known by uh, civil society than um, necessarily even strictly in the church. And I wonder if that's why we do them so badly. Um, like it, that, that all we're looking for inside of these parables is the same thing the world is looking for, which is idolatry. It works righteousness. Can, well, okay. I mean, we went over that with the parable of the uh, uh, Good Samaritan, how, how easily uh, we turned that one into, uh, into something that we're mm-hmm. doing. Um, is this one just as easy? I mean, maybe, maybe it is. I don't know. I think... For for me within within my uh, religious upbringing, it's always been, I think it's always been been taught pretty correctly. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe I've I've had it wrong the whole time. I don't know. You you seem to infer uh, that we screw this one up all the time too, which we probably do because we screw everything up. Well, I mean, we we talk a lot about um, the the prodigal son who who goes off and and makes a terrible mistake. Um, but really, uh, the, the place where I hear this sort of go awry most is right where it starts to get its legs. Uh, we should probably read the thing before we get too carried into it, though, huh? Maybe. You want to do it? You want me yeah. to read it? Let's Sound it out. It's a lot to it read. It is. It's Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 11, through a lot to read. Yes, it is. Um, for those at home uh, who are following along, I'm using uh, the message version. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> uh, and Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. 
I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to celebrate now his older son was in the field and as he came near and drew to the house he heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what they, these things meant and he said to him your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and, and entreated him. And he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. So everyone's heard this one. Absolutely. So we could just, yeah, we could just end the, end the podcast. I mean, the world would be a better place, but uh, instead, let's do something different. Um there you go. Yeah. Um, you're, you're real happy. I'm, I'm glad. Um, <laughs> so what's weird? Um, what, what, what stands out to you first as we start to talk, talk about this? Me? You're running this show. I am. And so I want to know what's weird because I, I want to talk to you about the things that are weird. Oh, you're asking me. Okay. We've got... Okay. So from... from and I don't think this is my perspective. I guess it is my perspective a little bit in our perspective too. Even though uh, fathers nowadays, generally speaking, have probably become uh, much more whipped than uh, with their kids than they uh, ever were before, uh, and I'll I'll count myself included. Um, but if you're uh, listening uh, with I don't know first century Jewish ears, uh, you're hearing this uh, this parable and saying. There isn't a Jewish father on the planet who would act like this. This guy is completely bonkers crazy. No, there's uh, there's nobody who would ever do this. Do this, and by this you mean, well, when your son comes to you and says, "Give me my inheritance," um, he says, "Okay." Well, and and well, yeah, and 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 allow I, because remember. There was still this understanding of uh, each family, each clan, each tribe uh, was tied to uh, uh, to the things of God through the physical land that they had as well. Uh, so the the fact that not only is the 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 father, uh, or not only is this prodigal son telling his father uh, to drop dead, and we've all heard that before, um, but. This father has to basically go and sell his property. This is you don't 
you don't do that. Right. This is this is actually where you start to see um, what what really stands out in the text. Um, it, this isn't just sort of the the son saying it's not a phase, Dad, and, and then I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be in a ska band. Absolutely, you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, then you're gonna sell out. Um, so he, he's saying you're dead to me. Give me stuff and not you, which. If you actually hold the father to be the father in this text is a simple definition of the first commandment. Like the weird thing to us in practice is actually the most normal as we play it out before God in that um, we look to stuff over the giver. We, we look to the created thing over the creator. Uh, the, the younger brother simply just goes up to his father who art in heaven and says, I don't care anything about you. I just want stuff. I would rather worship that. I would fear, love and trust in that above all things. <clears throat> Yeah, and and so the to the the Jewish ears uh, in this text, they but they would be hearing this even if they don't have the connotation of uh, of the heavenly Father, they are going to hear this and they're going to say, oh, okay, well, uh, as soon as the son comes up to the father and, and asks for this, uh, the father is going to. Uh, Put out some severe punishment. Absolutely, like this would be time for Leviticus yeah, this, style punishment. This would punishment. be time for for some smackdown. Um, but instead, he he gives it to him, and like you said, all of a sudden the land is divided. Um, and this actually makes it harder to farm. This makes it harder to to find a, a production value from it. There's a certain point in time when farming is just not a, a worthwhile endeavor because by the time and uh, effort that that you go to to, to um, to, to farm a ground, you can't produce enough from it that it actually makes it financially worthwhile. When the younger son takes his half of it and then sells it, he, he's also setting um, not, not only himself against his birthright as, as a child of Israel, um, but he actually sets himself against his neighbor. Um, he, he, he tries to use the land for self and not for the good of those who's been given to love inside of his vocation. When, when he sells this property, he's essentially saying, not only dad, are you dead to me, but brother, you're dead to me. Brother, I don't care if you starve because I want something for me. A nation, people of Israel, you're dead to me. Uh, I don't, I don't care about this inheritance that uh, is passed down because it isn't just inheritance. Remember, the the whole thought process is this: this land isn't just an inheritance as we would understand inheritance. Like I get my grandfather's World War II medals. It's it's not it's not that sort sort of stuff. I don't know why that was hilarious, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not just, it's not that sort of interesting that that was right? like just the first thing that popped into your head. Um, I didn't get any World War Two medals from I'm my sorry. grandfather. He was in World War Two though. Um, but uh, anyways, um, what was I saying? Oh, it's not that sort of inheritance. It's this it's this understanding that uh, uh, I am tied to uh, God's people, and so when when he wants his portion of the inheritance, which Really, he doesn't have much of a portion of the inheritance because he's the younger son. Uh, I don't know if we need to get into all of that. But uh, when he wants this and then is going to sell it, uh, he's he's basically denouncing his father, his brother, uh, the nation, and, and Yahweh itself, himself, excuse me. Um, and then on top of that, you can just imagine the shame that is brought upon uh, the father and the brother here. Uh, because this is this is a son uh, who is telling everybody to drop dead, and a son who is saying, "I want nothing to do with uh, with Yahweh or His gifts and His promises." 
I'm out of here. All I need is is some change in my pocket so I can do some fun stuff. Again, it just it doesn't seem that odd um, in that this is sort of the scene that's played out over and over in front of our eyes in Christianity today. Uh, we, we have been given this birthright um, in that we are born of, of parents who, who have taught us the, the truth of God's word. We are born into a, a gift that is the New Testament of our Lord. We are given this gift um, and, and we decide, you know, I, I realize that eternal life is, is, is probably cool, but um, I, I bet I could do more fun stuff in college if I, if I just, you know, traded that in um it's just simply the reality that every last one of us would more often chase into sin in some form or another than hear the word of our lord this is old adam who always flees from god this is old adam who always curses god um and doesn't just sort of lay neutral but actually rebels against god's gifts rebels against god's will um for for us to say then that we are born sinful isn't just sort of to like to pick the person we're all thinking of that left the church and we can look at them and say oh you are clearly the younger brother because you have been given this gift and you have left it it's to recognize inside of ourselves that thing that would much rather sleep in than go to church on sunday it's to recognize in ourselves that thing which would much rather rebel against God's good gifts instead of live inside of our baptism. Every last one of us has this. Yeah, yeah nobody wants to be the prodigal son. That, that, uh, that term is, is always used for, like you said, it's, it's that bad, that bad kid. But he's only the prodigal if he, if he returns. And he's only the prodigal if, you know, he, he makes amends and, and makes it back. I, kind of jumping ahead a little bit of a, a misunderstanding and misinterpretation of this. But that's the only time that he's the prodigal when, you know, he's done away with his old ways and he's climbed back and become a, a good member of the See, church. That's society. where we get it wrong. Um, but, but I mean, we, we can kind of go there already because the rest of it... No, well, we can, but that's, that's not jump The rest there. of it plays itself out. So as it turns out, sin breaks stuff. Like, I, I know that it always seems like a great idea at the time. And I know that, that the, the term, hey, y'all watch this, has never ended poorly for anybody anywhere ever. Um, but as it turns out, sin actually does break stuff. The reason that our Lord would give us these commandments is because things go better when we follow them and things go worse when we break them. And although it seems like a great idea to the younger son to, you know, live his best life now, um, all of a sudden... It's not... A all of the sudden, things start to go poorly for him. And after he spends all the money in reckless living, um, he finds himself in a, in a bit of a pickle. Yeah, 68-year-old, that's what you are. A bit of a pickle. There, there's this thing that happens as severe famine arises in the country. Um, he's hungry. And all of the friends that he must have made when he was, you know, throwing out shekels um, left, right, and center as he, he destroyed the inheritance, uh, they, they left he had nobody. Well, hold on. Well, I, <laughs> I'm not sure that he was thrown out. He's making it I rain. Think, I think that's I, that's how I imagine. I don't it. think he was thrown out um, shekels. He's he's in a he's in a gentile country. Do dollars, right? Well, I don't know, but I mean, <laughs> before we before we get there, which you're right. I mean, we can we can elaborate, and and, and probably all of our elaborations are. are somewhat on on the head here um but he the thing that he's doing is bringing so much shame like he has to go to a different country in order to like you said live his best life now um 
he he needs to be where nobody knows who he is and nobody is going to uh look down upon him for what he's doing. Oh, so you mean like what we do on the internet from the comfort of our own couch. Well, yeah. As it turns out, Sin exactly. really loves anonymity. Um it's a it's a breeding we, ground for it, isn't it? Yeah. We we love to sin and not have our names tied to it. Mm. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. But more shame comes to this guy, right? Because like you said, he is blown through everything. Um, oh, and, and the famine comes. Like and so all of a sudden, he, he somehow finds himself uh, with just like the worst job imaginable for, for a, an, an Israelite that he's given to feed a, a beast that he's forbidden to be around. He, he's given to feed the pigs, uh, which I, I sort of half wonder if uh, that, that just means like that was people trying to get rid of him. Like, why don't you go home? And he's like, no, I can't go home. And they're like, and he's like, well, you know, let me let me stay with you. And and it's not so much friends as it turns out, because you can't buy true friendship. They're like, you know what? You, you can stay there. But the only job we've got for you would be feeding uh, pigs. If you feed the pigs, you can stay like they're, they're trying to get rid of the guy. Um, I they? wonder. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Like, maybe, maybe. that was just I, the only job that was hiring I, or 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 maybe. Maybe well, he was put into this position by people who were magnifying his shit. I don't know. Um, I'm just, yeah, I think I'm just trying to, uh, I don't know, take it as a whole. I, I'm not sure that, that these these Gentiles, uh, that, that's what Jesus is trying to get I don't, at. Like, I don't know that. Yeah, he's it's, it's trying to use the Gentiles to push him back. Yeah, I'm just pushing back on you because I think you're wrong and spreading no, heresy. No, um, it's, it's this um, parable that um, Pastor Litau <laughs> didn't have any time for, the parable of the good shepherd who would seek the sheep. And you can call me a bit of an enthusiast if you want, um, but I, I think that this might be one of the ways then that the Lord would start to, to push this man to, to return home. Enthusiast. This is the law being preached even through the body. Um, that, that is, he recognizes that the only way I can get continue to live this lifestyle is to fall even deeper into sin. It, it's again a chance to recognize that this is this is going poorly, um, and and we we've all had that where you, you know that the smaller sins or at least to our eyes smaller sins um, aren't so big a deal, but if we keep down that path, all of a sudden we find ourselves in a position where we have to to step it up a notch before um, before we we can get the job done, and so we sometimes find our conscience to be a burden and and actually you, return to the Lord. So. I was just going to say you swallowed the Holy Spirit feathers and all, but this is what we need. Uh. <laughs> that's that's a the uh, theologian joke, uh, uh, calling him an enthusiast. But no, I think you're right about uh, our, our Lord works through all things, and we're not going to uh, say that uh, that He doesn't. Um, and the fact that He's magnifying sin, or uh, the the Holy Spirit can can definitely crush a man uh, with the sin that is He is. Uh, enveloped himself with covered him with himself with uh and and use that very i mean isn't that what the law does anyways the law is written on our heart yeah the law is written on our heart it's going to crush us and and we pray that it it actually does what it uh the holy spirit is is uh urges it to do is to turn us uh uh to our sin so that we can see it and turn us to to back to the gospel um but i mean you you just have to imagine and I think we we miss all of this um, in in present day Americana because we don't understand what uh, a Jew tying himself to a Gentile really meant, and we don't understand what a, a Jew uh, not only feeding pigs 
Uh, but desiring to eat the slop that the pigs eat, what that actually means. I mean, that is not not just is it breaking uh, so many Levitical codes, um, but it is it is heaping so much more shame upon this this man where he's he's set in a place where he is covered uh, from head to toe with shame. And maybe I think that's where, that's where I always like to go with this with this parable is the shame aspect of it uh, because we don't I don't think we have a, a good understanding of shame versus guilt I think we always think that they're synonymous with one another and this this uh, this prodigal son certainly has a, a tremendous amount of guilt on him but he's also covered in this shame uh, that he desperately needs to get out of and wants to get out of that's a really good point. Um, so when we talk about the, the difference between guilt and shame, too, uh, we, we can recognize that that in practice, they play themselves out very differently. Guilt, guilt loves to jabber. Guilt loves to try and justify itself. But I don't think we always recognize, uh, at least um, we might grasp this internally, but to, to actually explicitly see the fact that, that shame is so paralyzing. That, that it's not something that anybody can just shake off. Um, to, to see the son here in, in his most bottomless pit of shame uh and, and then i expect that this moment comes to him where he just decides to make good choices and go home I, I don't think that's quite what happens if this really is shame to that extent we just lay in the pit and and mope yeah good works or or trying to make amends uh doesn't deal with shame very well and i think we all know that the, the thing with the thing with shame is like I said, it is different with guilt. Sometimes the the guilt and the shame they they go hand in hand. So this individual uh, has a lot of shame and a lot of guilt. I.e., guilt is he did this wrong, right? Uh, he he sinned, and he has brought shame upon himself, and he feels this shame, and it is actually inundating him. But also notice too that uh, that the shame can be brought upon somebody from somebody else's sin. If somebody sins against you, especially certain sins, and I think that's what we see here uh, in, in this parable, something big, the, the father and the elder, elder uh, brother, um, they are covered also in the shame that the youngest brother's sin has brought upon them. Right. How do you deal with that? Not the way that you deal with guilt, because but we 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 still try every time, and you see it today well, too. Kind of. Um. So you'll okay. find somebody who's been tragically abused. You find somebody who's been um be, been assaulted, been God forbid raped or something like that. And the first thing we always tell these victims is that it's not your fault, which is completely true and completely Absolutely. unhelpful, because they know it's not their fault, but they, they don't have guilt. They have shame. They've been made dirty. They have made been, they've been broken by somebody else's sin because sin breaks stuff. And sometimes it hurts you, but a lot of times it hurts the people around you. And shame is that, that thing that we have to deal with when other people sin against us, when the magnitude of, of our sin um, just knocks us down to the point where, where we are not at the level where we can try and repair it. And, and our English language has made guilt and shame uh, synonyms. And so we think, and sometimes pastors are guilty of this as well, uh, we think that if we can convince uh, somebody, hey, you don't have to feel bad about this, you're not guilty of anything, 
then the shame will go away. It won't. That's not how shame works because it's different than guilt. Right. And you see this in, in verse 17. Um, it doesn't say he repented. It says when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I'll arise and I'll go to my father and say to him, I have, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. This isn't repentance. This is just a path of least resistance. It, even if it is humiliating, he's still not turning towards God. He's just turning away from hunger. The problem with this is, is that repentance actually expects good from God. This, this guy in the midst of his shame still doesn't expect good from his father. This is what shame does to it. It makes you feel so worthless that you can't expect good things from God. And this is why it's such a tragic thing. Yeah. And, and it, that's, the, that's the crazy thing about how sin uh, does affect us in those two different ways because it brings guilt upon us and it brings it can bring shame upon us and we also think and maybe this this prodigal son thought this or maybe he didn't maybe maybe he understood uh, that the shame was going to be there whether or not he could maybe try and undo the guilt right because his thought is uh, i'm not worthy uh, to be a son and i think maybe he understands that that the shame aspect of it there but he still wants to go do what? He's not, he's not going back in complete and utter uh, true repentance and falling down on his knees and saying, uh, I've got nothing. I'm a poor, miserable sinner. All he's doing is saying, uh, okay, uh, make me a hired servant. Well, but it, it's, it's not true repentance, not just because he's not sorry enough, um, but, but because he's hopeless. See, uh, to, to our, our Lutheran fathers, we talk about repentance as having two parts, both contrition and hope. And the problem always comes when we try and measure either of these, because both are imperfect in this life because of our, our sinful flesh. He certainly is, is contrite, but the problem is he still has no hope. He, he doesn't go to his father as a father. In the same way that he, he, we don't instinctively go to our God, he has to come to us. The, the problem with, with the repentance being our work and not God's work is that when we want to say that, that I have to put in three contritions and then two hopes and then I can say that I have five repentance points, is that in all of it, you're looking for something inside yourself that doesn't exist. You might eventually come to something that resembles contrition just by getting kicked while you're down over and over like this guy in the midst of his sin. But in the middle of, of his shame, he can't dare hope. Something has to happen uh, to, to interrupt what's going on so that this man might dare hope again. And something has to cover his shame. Something has to, to give him a new identity that would not be simply worker, barterer, slave. Something has yeah. to come along and call him a child. Yeah. <clears throat> exactly. Sounds like baptism. Um, oh, hey, maybe. Maybe. But no, we always think and we talked about this uh, in the previous season uh, when we droned on and on and on about uh, <laughs> uh, original sin. But uh, no, we have a, a mis like we don't understand uh, shame. I don't think we properly uh, the sinner in us, the the we don't properly understand repentance either. Because what do we think repentance is? We think repentance is is contrition, and then we think that repentance is uh, making amends, right? That's what we think repentance is. That's what this guy's doing too. So he, th I think he thinks he's repenting, right? He's he's got contrition. He understands that he's a sinner. 
Uh, he understands everything he did was wrong. And, and he understands that he's not worthy to be called a son. There's that shame stuff, even though if he, he may not be able to name it as shame. And he's going to fulfill that other part of what he thinks repentance is. I'm going to go back and I'm going to work this off. I, I'm going to make amends for what I did. Um, it sounds very, I, I mean, I hate to throw under the bus, but isn't that modern day Catholicism? Well, not just modern day. Isn't that just Christianity in America? Christian, yeah, it's everything, right? It, in one form or fashion, it's make amends for the sins that you've committed. That's how you show that you're a true Christian. Right, he's going to try and earn his way back into the kingdom, but something wild happens. It's verse 20. Um, that that something, get, something happens before he can ever quite get this out. So he arose, he came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. And Pastor Borghart showed me something uh, I, I never actually noticed before in this text, but the word far off um, in Greek is, is makron. Um, the next time this word shows up uh, in Luke is to separate the difference between heaven and hell when we're talking about Lazarus and the rich man. That, that while he, he was still far off, we're talking about like not just sort of like at the property line. We're talking about like as soon as he stepped foot into the country that is called hell, the far off place, the father starts looking for him. The father starts running for him. The good shepherd lays aside the 99 and goes out after the one sheep that was missing. The, the father does not wait for the son to make good choices and then return to him. Um, but as soon as, as soon as he leaves his father's kingdom, the father starts looking for him. And, and it is not out of um, anything other than love, compassion. And so as soon, as soon um, as the son comes with an eyesight of the father. Not as soon as the father comes with an eyesight of the son, but as soon as the son comes with an eyesight of the father, he sees the thing that has been happening all along. The father searching for him, the lost, the father running towards him. And, and before he can even get it out, his father embraces him and kisses him. All of the action is starting first with the father before the son can ever make good choices. Before the son can ever earn his way back in, he's already treated as something more than a servant who, who might maybe work off enough debt to eat. He's, he's treated like a son just in this. Yeah. And this, this is where, and we'll get to hear it in his response, because if you haven't picked it up before, or if a pastor hasn't pointed it out, I pray that he has uh, beforehand, uh, we'll do it here. Uh, his response is uh, pretty much the exact same as it was going to be, but he leaves something out. And I think that's the key to it. It's, and he doesn't leave something out at the end because the... Like I just did to you. I don't... Th the, God won't let us barter with him. I did. Right? No, God... God. I, I, just, <laughs> I hate you. God won't let us barter with him. He just gives. I, I'm like, well, okay. But I'm not going to go... I'm going to go there. I don't think I'm going to go, go there. I mean, you're right. He's not going to let us barter. But I don't think the son was... I don't think the son was coming back to barter That's with what him. what he said he was going to do. I... Well, initially, I think as soon as he sees the father running after him and uh, draping himself over his neck and, and showering him with kisses, uh, I think then the guy understands repentance. And I think then he is repentant. And I think his, his, his answer is such. 
I think it's the Holy Spirit at work that would produce that. And so even while the, exactly uh, no, but but hear me out as it's as it's being played out in the text, um, it doesn't say that that he stopped. It, it, the Father just cuts right in. Uh, like I'm so prone to do, forgive me, I'm a sinner. Uh, the, the father says to the servants before he can even get his spiel all the way out, quickly bring the best robe and put it on and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. He's saying, take this man who's here trying to barter his way back into the kingdom and give him a robe of righteousness, maybe even one washed clean in the blood of the lamb. Give him a, a, a robe of righteousness, maybe maybe even one um, that, that would uh, have the prophet Isaiah sing, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress as a bride adorns herself with jewels. The father, I don't think, is going to give the son a chance to, to do all these things because it is the Holy Spirit who moves us to repentance, right? It, it is simply the contrition that is produced when we hear God's law and the hope that is produced when we hear God's gospel. Um, the, the father's not done with the gospel part. He's still pouring it out and pouring it out. And this is where the son's mouth is finally silenced, not because he finally realizes it, but because God is so um, just refusing to, to try and barter. He's giving gifts and giving gifts and giving gifts. And all we can do is, is like just in shock and awe receive from God, because I still come into church this way too. Like God, I, I, I a poor miserable sinner, uh, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities, and this week I'm totally going to do better. And before I'm all the way even done with that, my pastor's standing up and saying, in the stead and by the command of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. And it's not that I shouldn't try and do better. It's not that that you know that the younger son shouldn't maybe cut out all the reckless living. He he should stop sinning. But it's that the father is not going to deal with him based on the promise to stop sinning. He's going to deal with him solely in compassion, solely in mercy. Yes. I think we're going to end up at the same place, so I'm not going to bicker here. But I want uh, I, Well, I know you want to bicker. I'm the older brother, sinner. and I'm not convinced that, that what you have done is appropriate. <laughs> yeah, you don't think that I've earned, I've earned this. Um, which I haven't. No, I think, I, I think we get to the same place. Um, my, my thought is just... Uh, that he's been brought there uh, with the uh, with the father running and draping himself mm -hmm. on him and kissing him. He's been brought there, and the the only words that he can say is, uh, "I don't deserve to be your your son." Um, and and then he just Wonderful. ends it there. I I, I think it yeah, works both ways. It does. Um, either way, the father's the giver, and we're the receiver. Exactly. Um, yep. And his words are true. I'm not worthy to be called your son, but I am. Yeah. And so they, they, they slaughter the fattened calf. Isn't it weird that um, to, to redeem a lost sinner, something has to bleed and die? I don't know if that's about Jesus. It's it's a strange, strange thing. Um, maybe, maybe. Absolutely. Maybe. maybe. It's, it's, it's interesting that, uh, yeah, it, in this text, I mean, if, if we're going to play a one-to-one -one ratio, which is it's kind of uh, dangerous to do that with parables, but if if we're going to here, it's against one of the laws to understand the gospel. I know, so I'm gonna I'm gonna break your your law. Um, the I think the uh, I, I Jesus is he's not he's not a person in this one, hmm. right? He, I, he's I think sacrifice. I think he's he's just that fattened calf. He's the sacrifice exactly. That's a worthwhile thing to pursue because we, we sometimes have this bad habit of trying to set, like, the son's love against the father's wrath. You know what I mean? Like, angry, angry God the father wants to punish you, but nice God the son will redeem you. God the father is, is merciful to the, 
to the wayward son. God the Father is, is searching for him from the, from the get-go. God the Father is willing to simply sacrifice anything to have you back. Um, it, it, both the Father and the Son work in love and mercy and compassion to you. The Son being the sacrifice, the yep. Father being the one who, who sends. Absolutely. So, uh, what time is it? I don't know. Do we are we going to keep going and, and bring the uh, the elder son in here? Let's do just a little bit. Yeah. So, so the older son comes in from the field. He sees everything that's going on, and and he gets really and he's upset. happy. No, he mad. No. Uh, he he was angry. He refused to go into the party. He goes, I'm not going to go to church if you're going to let people like that in there. Um, I have followed your rules all the time. I have never disobeyed your commandment, and you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my fan, my friends. Notice that the the animal here is about a party. It's not about a it's not about a sacrifice. Yeah. And notice it's about notice this too. It, this is really interesting, I think, because uh, the the um, younger son uh, basically denounced his family, uh, and now you've got the older son who thinks that he's done everything right. Um, but is is he concerned that they never had a family meal together, or that he never got to hang out with his friends? Right, he's completely obedient to the father's rules, but this is all out of reluctance, not out of love. Like he doesn't care about his family one bit. He only wants to have the party. Um, his his brother who is lost, who is dead, is alive. His father who is with him always was was there with the sacrifice the whole time. Um, just the the desire to to sort of toe the line, but consider God an enemy who is vengeful and wrathful, that, that we would be as Christians, but only out of reluctance instead of love. That says more about us than it does about God, especially a God who is all the while there with the gifts that, that um, would be. Uh, the, the father says to him, what are you talking about? You are always with me. I'm always with you. All that is mine is yours. Um, it is actually good to, to have a sacrifice to restore one who is lost. Yeah, I think this, uh, it, although it's not explicit, I think this elder son is is just as prodigal as the first. Um, and even though uh, in, in all of his outward actions, uh, it seems as if he's done right and seems as if he's the good son, uh, I, I think he's, and it comes out I, I, in his words, uh, he speaks about, uh, I wanted a party with my friends. I wanted a praise service. That's what's in. That's what's important. A, par- a party with my friends. You, uh, yeah, that was uh, okay. And uh, and he says later, what this son of yours? Not, not this brother of mine, right? Not this brother of mine. He's removed himself from the family too. Um, That's completely true. He so I think in essence he's removed himself from this from this true understanding, this true Christianity, and not only is the father and i think he is here he's uh, encouraging the older brother to welcome back in in forgiveness the younger brother um but i think more importantly he's saying uh wait a minute uh no the feast is for you too like that this is it's all for you it's come be a part of the family this this gospel stuff that i've given to your brother it's yours come you need it just as much as he does and Come join the feast and let's have a giant party together here. Instead of a goat, let's, let's have the, the fattened calf. Let's have Jesus. Instead of a praise service, let's have communion. Yeah, you're just I'm going sorry. with it, aren't you? I, <laughs> just, just putting ideas out there. Um, yeah. 
I like how the parable ends, though, without any real resolution. The parable just flat ends while we're hearing the gospel for our neighbor, too. Um, which is a, a, a worthwhile thing for us to, to ponder, that I'm pretty good at finding forgiveness for myself on the cross. I should totally be forgiven. Um, but it, I have a harder time with my younger brother receiving it too. The parable ends with us just getting to consider, what if Jesus was willing to die for our enemies? What if the Father actually wanted to see us forgive them because he has forgiven them? And What if... What if repentance isn't about uh, doing everything uh, perfectly? What if Christianity isn't about uh, fulfilling the law? What if it? What if it's about the gospel? That'd be wild. Yeah. What if it's about? What if it's about the fattened calf and a loving father and Jesus? That'd be handy dandy. I guess. I guess we get to ponder that a little bit. Yeah, that, that's a wonderful thing. I hope so. Yeah, we should stop there, like the parable. Okay. Bye. Cool. We out. I feel so unsure. As I take your hand and lead you to the dance floor As the music dies, something in your eyes Calls to mind the silver screen and all its sad goodbyes I'm never gonna dance again, guilty feet have got no rhythm Though it's easy to pretend I know you're not a fool I should have known better than to cheat a friend And waste the chance that I'd been given So I'm never gonna dance again The way I dance with you